This is Crime Connections, and we're your host. I'm Jackie. And I'm Sarah. 31 years ago, around 12 a.m. on Friday, September 14th in 1990, in Shaker Heights, Ohio, which is a small town outside of Columbus, Ohio, 16-year-old Lisa Pruitt snuck out of her house and rode her bike to her boyfriend's house. Around 1 a.m., Lisa Pruitt was found dead on the corner of South Woodland and Lee Road, just outside of her boyfriend's backyard. Lisa was found on the ground, stabbed 21 times. Now we are going to go back in time here to give some more information to the story. Let's go back to the day before. On September 13, 1990, at 2 p.m., Dan Drayfort, Lisa's boyfriend, was discharged from the Cleveland Clinic. Dan suffered from mental illness and was in and out of the hospital a few times throughout his teen years. He dealt with depression specifically, but it was also rumored his dad would donate money, quote-unquote, to the Cleveland Clinic to admit Dan for being, quote-unquote, difficult. Um, okay. okay. Yeah. All right. This is rumored, but I thought it was important enough to mention just because, like, what the heck? Like, you, that you don't want a parent because yeah. your kid's being difficult? Like, yeah. difficult can mean many things. That's exactly. very vague, but if it's just because you don't want a parent, it's like people that, people that call the police and they're like, my kid's being unruly. Really, your kid's just crying because they wanted to go out mm-hmm. and be a, yeah. a teenager or whatever, and now you're going to call the police to parent. Do, I know. Do your job. You had the kid parent. It's bad. Now, like I said, it's rumored that that happened, but... I don't know. It was also rumored that Dan was known to throw parties where he and his friends would drink alcohol, chug a bottle of Robitussin, and then smoke weed. Oh, my Which, gosh. then they would, like, sit there and be, be high. out of their mind. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Around 3 p.m., Dan rode his bike to the school to surprise Lisa. When he found her at the school, they walked around for a little bit, and then Dan escorted Lisa to her mother's car in the parking lot. Around 5.30, Dan came home from hanging out with his friends. At 6 o'clock, he ate dinner with his parents. Sometime around 8 p.m., Dan's friend, Tex, showed up and they hung out for a while. A little after 9, Lisa stopped by Dan's house after her flute practice to see and talk with him for a little bit. While visiting, Lisa told Dan that she was going to sneak out of her house that night and come back to see him. Because they haven't seen each other, because I think he was in the hospital for like two, I think two weeks-ish. Okay, So okay. they hadn't seen each other in a while. Right, right, right. Around 10 p.m., Tex left Dan's house. And according to Dan, Lisa called his house sometime between 9.10 and 10.10 p.m., which that's a very specific time. Apparently, she said that she would be coming over around 12.30 a.m. to 1 a.m., depending on when her parents were going to bed. And when she arrives, she will throw a rock at his window. At 11 p.m., Dan told the local law enforcement that he watched the news and then went to his room at exactly 11.32 p.m. Dan went to his room and listened to music. And then around midnight, Dan's sister, Deb, called from college. Dan's father talked to Deb in the master bedroom while his wife picked up the phone in the next room, and then Dan stood at the foot of his father's bed listening, sometimes adding to the conversation. When their parents were done, Dan then spoke to his sister Deb alone using the phone in the den, which if you're younger, you might not know about home phones, but you can have home phones all over your house, and then you can pick up and all talk at the same time. Mm-hmm. At 12.30 a.m., according to his father, Dan returned to his bedroom after the phone call. Just as Dan went into his room, he heard screaming coming from outside. 
in the article, they kept saying the South End, North End, and all that. So, I'm, is their house that huge? I'm thinking so. Like, I think their property was pretty decent, and then the house was pretty big. Okay. Uh, apparently, Shaker Heights is like a rich, ritzier, ritzier area of Columbus. I'm thinking the screaming came from the backyard is the way that they described it. Okay. So then Dan heard the screaming. He went to his window and opened it to look outside to see if he could see anything causing the screaming. His father then came in and asked Dan if he had heard the screaming, which he obviously said yes. His dad noticed Dan had clothes on and shoes on and told him to go outside and check out the noise. Okay. Which is weird. Like, you don't send your 16, 17-year-old no. kid, hey, go outside and see what that bloody murder screen was yeah like, no i'd be like dad you got me messed up yeah like, you're going I'm so confused by that dan was later quoted saying that he had heard a long scream then opens the window and then hears many like short screams and they didn't think something was wrong well apparently dan went out to the front edge of their property and didn't see or hear anything he then went back inside his house and suggested to his father to call the police they both agreed that there was nobody out there and nothing that they could do so dan's dad just didn't call 911. oh and so dan who knows that his girlfriend is on her way over doesn't think oh ding ding maybe that's my girlfriend getting yeah. murdered yeah, so Dan went back to his room, put some stuff away from returning home from the hospital, and then Dan at one point claimed that he began to think and remember that Lisa said she was coming over. He claimed he couldn't recall when he suspected that the screaming might have been Lisa, but he eventually went back outside to investigate. Dan believed it was about 12.45 a.m. At first, he went to the edge of the property, and then he went a little further and saw her bike in the bushes. He touched the bike and pulled it out of the bush to see if it was hers. He saw that it was her bike and then ran back into his house. He called Lisa's house to try and confirm that if it was or wasn't her bike, but nobody answered, which her parents are sleeping. Are sleeping, yeah. Dan called 911 and told them that his girlfriend's bike was in the bushes and that he had heard someone screaming earlier. All while this is going on, Dan's parents are asleep, so he didn't like go inside and wake them up, which I thought was kind of weird. Uh, yeah, I I would be like, okay, hey, mom and dad, I know I wasn't supposed to have my girlfriend sneak over, but, like, mm-hmm. things are, like, kind of going off in my head that maybe this is what's happening, and, like, I... It's weird. H- hindsight's twenty twenty, and, you know, kids are young, they don't think of things, but if you know your significant other or even your friend's coming over and all of a sudden you hear blood-curdling screams... Yeah. Uh think maybe worst case scenario at first you should always do that okay maybe oh, not always no, but like I, mean, I would almost yeah you should probably do that but he kept saying in interviews like i didn't remember lisa was coming over until way after the fact and then it hit him like oh my god lisa was supposed to come over that could have been her it was like the way he described his mental process i guess so once he called the cops a car was dispatched to their residence and once the police officer arrived dan led the police officer to where he had found the bike then dan had asked the officer if he should tell his parents what was going on the officer advised that would be a good idea dan went inside to wake up his father he told his father that the screaming had been lisa and that her bike was found in the bushes dan spoke with the police officer and the police officer just kind of told him to go inside and then dan reported that he eventually fell asleep around 2 30 a.m his parents woke up and told him that he had to go go back out and make a statement which i don't know how he even fell asleep because if I was laying there, and I just found out my boyfriend had been killed in our backyard, practically. I mean, how do you just 
go to sleep, like fall asleep. I don't know. My adrenaline, I would imagine, would well, be okay. through the roof. So at this point, he doesn't know that she's dead, though, right? Or he technically, he, I don't think he knows that she's dead, but it's just weird to me because the whole thing you would think would be like he'd be anxious. Yeah, he wouldn't be able to just go take a snooze. Yeah. It's just weird. So then, at 4 a.m., Dan was informed that he was being considered a suspect for the aggravated murder of Lisa Pruitt. Dan was reported saying that this was the first time it was confirmed to him that Lisa was dead. Because I don't think he technically ever saw her body. Right. He just found the bike. Okay, okay. I'm going to talk about the crime scene now. Lisa was found, like I had said, stabbed 21 times with her blue jeans and underwear pulled down and off her left leg. Her dark blue turtleneck had been pulled up over her bra. There were bruises on her neck that would indicate that her necklace was pulled from behind her. Oh, so she didn't know that the person was... Like, yeah, it was like a sneak attack. But the coroner did later come out and say that she was not raped, but I'm assuming it was, like, going to that, maybe? I'm well, not yeah, sure. there's no reason to take off her pants. Yeah. And not only was Lisa's bike in the bushes nearby, but there was also a hammer found in the bushes. According to, you know, the coroner's report, there was no indication that she was hit by a hammer. Okay. That I that I could find. There could be something, I have no idea, but I just thought the hammer was interesting that they found it in the bushes. Okay. Her tennis shoes were scattered. There were multiple shoe prints that were found and molds were taken of them. A condom that was still in the wrapping was found nearby. An empty bottle was in the bush closer to the house. And then the type of bottle was not enclosed. So I'm not exactly sure if it was like clear or or what type of bottle it was. Mm -hmm. And they also found similar bottles in the residence. But nothing was stated that it was related to the murder. Well, and that could be one of those things where they were drinking out in the yard days ago and Mm -hmm. they just threw it on the ground or whatever. But, like, if we go back to the condom that was found in the wrapping, maybe I'm jumping ahead a little bit. But that, to me, tells me right then and there that maybe they they were going to rape her. Yeah, then for sure. What if he came out and he started doing his, like, other, like, wait a minute, maybe that was my girlfriend, let me go check. And he startled him and scared him off. So he never Mm -hmm. got to do what he, the person that did it never got to do what they wanted to do. Yeah, and he does, he does say that he never saw anyone other, like, he never could see anyone. No, but if they heard him out there walking around or if he was like, Lisa, is that you, like, calling out her name? Then it, the person that potentially did it could have been like, oh crap, someone's out here, I gotta go, and they flee the scene. Oh, for sure. Police, like I said, declared Dan as the main suspect because they were dating, and he was brought into the station and questioned twice. The okay. second time, he it was just more questions, like more detailed questions. Mm-hmm. The next day, several students gathered at the school to talk about Lisa's murder, and a lot of them went to the police and started pointing the finger at a boy. His name was Kevin Young. Kevin Young was, quote-unquote, the weird kid in school, and from what I've read, it really just seemed like they were pointing their fingers to direct the attention more towards someone other than Dan. Okay. And he was the weird kid. He was the odd one out. So it was very easy to point the finger so at him. So they were like bullying him. Yes, because there was no evidence whatsoever to link him to, to the, the crime, crime scene. scene. Um, or even that they were friends. So I thought that was kind of crappy. From that point on, Kevin was their main suspect. Once all of those kids went to the cops and told them like, hey, this is who you should be looking at. Like I said, there was not one piece of evidence to link him. He also had an alibi. Okay. But yet he was still their number one suspect. 
Kevin ended up getting indicted for the murder of Lisa Pruitt in 1992, and he went to trial in 1993. He was acquitted after only 10 hours due to lack of evidence, but most of the town still believes that he killed her and still points the finger towards him. They all say he only got off because of his fancy lawyer is what I kept reading, which sucks because, I mean, with everything that I saw of the crime scene and just explained, you would think there was some sort of fight or something that there would be evidence to point towards him if it were really him. Yeah, like maybe skin under her fingernails or like something. Something. Maybe a hair if they were like got in a fight and if she Mm -hmm. was screaming putting up a fight, there has to be something. Exactly. Kevin actually ended up dying at the age of 44 in 2017. Now, it was rumored to be suicide, but I couldn't find anything to confirm that, but it really does look like that was the cause. Okay. Which is extremely sad because his life was literally ruined because of these kids pointing fingers. And bullying him. And bullying him. And I understand they're underage and very immature, but at the same time... You have parents that should have been putting a stop to that. Yeah. Or the cops being like, listen, we maybe should investigate other avenues and not believe like a bunch of kids who rumor milling and Mm -hmm. just bullying. It's always easy to bully the weird kid. Exactly. And also directs and takes away from the actual investigation. Exactly. Like the killer probably is still out there or got free because of what they did. Mm -hmm. And it sucks. And honestly, that's really all the information there is on this case. There was such little information that it was unreal. There was a lot of anniversary posts, a lot of posts that were about the trial of Kevin Young and the results of that and, you know, that sort of thing. But other than that, there was really nothing, which surprised the crap out of me because we've done cases older and there's a ton of information. So it is not because it's old. It's just because there isn't any out there i don't know it's weird so that's what like kind of like was making my mind run a little bit when you told me that there wasn't much to find out was it because they were withholding evidence because they wanted to protect certain things so that maybe the actual person that did it Mm -hmm. slips up and says something like that is so specific to this crime scene you had to have been the person that did it because only you would know that yeah so i'm wondering if it's something like that but like you go back to it's 31 years old Mm mm-hmm after so many decades, if there's information like that, you kind of have to start reaching out to the public for help because you're going to start having witnesses die, move away, forget things, mm-hmm. you know? And oh, definitely forget. People start forgetting stuff after, I mean, I don't even know what after I ate. After 24 hours Yeah, sometimes. like I don't know what I ate yesterday. So mm-hmm. you're going to ask someone that might have been driving by that saw something or maybe saw Lisa going down her bicycle, like on her bicycle to his house. Like you're yeah. losing key information at that point. For sure. And so, of course, I had to look a little further into this case, as we always try to do. And there is a man. His name is David Brannigan. He went to the police station the day after the murder to give a statement about Lisa Pruitt's murder. He claimed that he saw an unknown African-American at the crime scene. But, however, the police caught David in a lie while they were having this conversation. Originally, he said he made a statement to the police that night. And there was no one that made statements other than Dan and his family. Okay. The police officers determined that he originally came forward to say he made the statement just to see what they knew. Oh. To get, like, a feel for what was going on. Okay. Get out of here. And David's name was actually brought up in another case in 1985, which is five years prior. 
and he was supposedly the only witness in a homicide of an older couple Philip and Dorothy Porter they were found dead in their home just eight houses down from Dan's house and it was determined that they were killed in a burglary gone wrong David's wife has been quoted multiple times saying before David died in 2017, he confessed to her that he used to break into homes on Lee Road as a teen and he would steal little trinkets and jewelry and things like that. Mm -hmm. And at the time of the Porter murders, he lived in the house behind that property, their property. Okay. Then another man, Donald Soak, later confessed to the Porter murders, but there was no evidence linking him to the scene. Some people believe his initial confession was coerced by the police department. It was said that they kept promising a better end result in exchange for a confession, which we are very familiar with. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people, I don't know, a lot of people aren't talking about this case anymore or even know about this case. I'm truly thinking that this David guy could have a possibility of being involved in some way. Well, I mean, let's talk back to the Tara Grant case. Her husband nonstop wanted to be a part of the media, mm-hmm. get involved, constantly talking to investigators. He put himself right in the, like, weirdos love to involve themselves when they commit a crime. Yes. They love to, like, put their self there, or they saw something. Did no one look into this man? No. Did he... Okay, He so, was never considered a suspect. Okay. Well, that's real funny. That's real weird to me. Because you needed to be checking maybe a scratch marks or something. Because if he likes stealing tiny little trinkets and jewelry, and she has a necklace that was broken off of her, maybe mm-hmm. that was his thing. Maybe he's like a little squirrel that likes shiny things, you know? Well, and he puts his... He puts himself at the crime scene. He says that he was there and the police caught him in the light as he's telling them. Then I would immediately red flag you and now I'm going to look at you. But their eyes were on Kevin because of the kids. Which, okay, so did he get away with it because they weren't paying attention to anyone else? Kind of sounds like that to me. Yeah. So weird. Very sad to think that this possibly... I don't know. It's like if someone is coming to you and has no relation... And he's telling you he was at the crime scene and you're telling me you didn't look into him? Yeah, why are you up that late? Like, maybe, I mean, potentially, maybe he likes to go on runs at that time. I know some people like to run at night, which, creepy, people can kidnap you. But, like, or maybe he worked late. Like, you, there's no reason for you to be out that late after dark. And also, if you're running at night, like, that honestly puts you as a target. Because why are you out at night? Yeah. Like, if I ever see someone running through my neighborhood at night, I'm immediately, like, locking all the doors, closing the windows, peeking out the upstairs, like, (laughs) making sure you're not coming to kill me. I mean, there's no reason for you to be out that late. No. After dark, do whatever you want. I don't care. But, like, I'll red flag you. I'm like, why are you doing that? Unless you're driving to or from work or there's something permitted for you to be out that late especially like in the middle of a crime scene and you see a girl getting attacked on why didn't you help her then exactly why didn't you follow the man why didn't you call the police right away Uh, when like that doesn't make any sense no because maybe he was just trying to fish for information but why why are you so concerned fishing for information then because you want to know what they know in case Mm -hmm. you're the one that did it well, and he's the only witness to a double murder. So you're, he's the only witness to two different cases. So he's apparently walking around at night again while these two older people get killed. Well, if he lived behind them, maybe he peeked out his window, you know. Or maybe he did it and he got away with it. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, maybe. I don't know. I'm not saying he did. I'm just saying no, it's, re- but it's, it's real weird and I don't believe in coincidences. I don't either. 
I definitely do not. Um, so I also think it is super weird that dad didn't call 911. When you hear screaming, the population of Shaker Heights is around 27,000 people. Now, that is not a super small town, but it is also not a big town. So Perrysburg's population is 21,000. Mm-hmm. And we live by Perrysburg, so we can have an idea of what it is. That is not a very large town. It's mm-hmm. not small. It's not like a small, dinky town, but it's definitely not large. And you know very well, if you live in a smaller town, anything they call the cops for. Oh, for sure. There's just no way this young girl is screaming for her freaking life, literally, and the dad doesn't call 911. Don't you think that's weird? Maybe it was one of those things where he just didn't want to get involved in somebody else's affairs or whatever. But the thing is, is like when you're hearing someone scream, you can tell the difference between like a couple's quarrel. They're mm-hmm. arguing. And yeah. then you can also tell the difference between someone screaming for their life. Like, yeah. you definitely can hear it. It's not like... You can you can just tell. Like, as a woman or as anyone. A dad. Like, you, you know, like... Put yourself in that shoes. If he would have thought that it was his daughter, Debbie, I bet you he would have been on that phone in no time. Mm-hmm. He would have been running out exactly. there. But it, when he made his son go out and check, that told me right then and there that he really didn't have any regard to go even involve himself in that. He was like, go check it out. Like, I don't care. Like, you do yeah. it. Because most dads are not going to send their underage kid outside to go check and see what the blood-curdling screams down the street are or behind the house Yeah, are. that's... Yeah. That's so weird. He just seems like he's very lackadaisical about things, and that I don't like that. Well, and we even have the evidence... Well, I shouldn't call it evidence. We even have the rumors of people saying that he paid off the Cleveland Clinic so to he, have his son admitted. Okay, so yeah, he just doesn't really... He just doesn't seem like he's one person that really cares about anything other than himself unless it benefits him. Yeah. That's kind of the vibe I'm getting. Maybe we're completely wrong. I don't know. Which we very could well be, be but... But why... Like, it, just some weird activity. Yeah. That's for sure. There's a lot of suspicious behavior in this whole entire case. Like, the cops just believing all these children under no suspicious activity of this Kevin Young guy other than literally stories made up about him. See, and that's we go back to some of these things where it's like police, unless they have it handed to them on a silver platter, sometimes don't even want to investigate it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like one you gotta you gotta read the room. Are you getting your information from young kids that might be bullies or rumor milling things, or the popular kids or yeah. Which, nothing wrong with being popular, but, I mean, there's a difference between all these popular kids pointing their finger at this nerdy, maybe not-so-well-off kid. Come on, get Well, a clue. it seems like maybe he was well-off if he had a fancy lawyer. Yeah, that's true. Because most people, if they don't have money, they're going to get a public defender or something yeah. like that. So maybe he was rich and he just wasn't, like, the and favorable... within the crowd. Yeah, yeah, with the in-crowd. But if Shaker Heights is as ritzy as, like, I'm reading, you would think that the police would want to actually take their time and be thorough of this investigation Mm -hmm. or maybe they're trying to hush it they don't want anyone else to know but if you're going to point the finger at someone you better have your evidence and all your facts straight Mm -hmm. i mean yeah he was acquitted in 10 hours that's not a very long time that's not long at all at all but yeah like i said there was just not a lot of articles covering this case which i just thought was crazy there is someone his name is james renner and most not all of my information came from him but some of it did he is a author who is very intrigued about this case he's wrote about it multiple times he i think he's in the process of writing a book or it will be released this year i believe um he's done some big bigger podcast with other people you know he's like infatuated with this yeah case didn't you say he was also a 
like a news reporter or he worked in some sort of like news outlet. Yeah. Um, I think it was like the Cleveland scene and he also was an editor for a newspaper which was the Cleveland Independent. But what I also like I was super intrigued about and I'm kind of jealous that you got to talk to him was that he is the host of an investigation discovery series called Lake Erie Cold Cases. So I thought that was super cool because I love investigation discovery. I did reach out to him. I spoke with him via email a few times, but then I was originally going to ask him and see if he could get me in contact with some family members. But then, like I said, this case has been blown up by a lot of other podcasts. I didn't really find any value in contacting the family members through listening to the other podcasts. There's just not a lot of information, and the cops are not... They're very close-lipped about ...about it. this case. And it's one of those things, too. It's like when a case is constantly covered, at some point, family members are just like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to, like, harass them, because obviously they're already grieving and things like this that. This is their trauma. And yeah. I feel like James, he does have what appears to be the most evidence other than the police because he has spent so much time investigating this so we thank him for giving us the time of day to talk to us about this case for sure as always follow us on socials at crime connections pod on instagram or like us on facebook at crime connections and if you like listening to us please subscribe or follow and leave a review and let us know how we're doing or like we always tell you go ahead and email us shoot us a message something if you want i love it when people message us i always reply and when we do it we always tell you who you're talking to yeah i think that's fun i know that's probably confusing yeah they're like who am i talking to exactly Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye.